0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning's gospel reading comes to us from St. Luke. It's about the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. You ever have just one of those days? Every Sunday is one of those days some Now there's a lot of stuff going on here, and a sermon on this text could go in a whole bunch of different directions. But today, I'd like to focus in on a statement here in the text that happens to come not from Jesus, but from the enemy. Two out of three temptations here begin with the devil saying, If you are the Son of God. Now you've probably heard this account before, or at very least the same events in Matthew and Mark's gospel, but here there's something especially noteworthy In Matthew and Mark's Gospels. The text transitions directly from the baptism of Jesus to Jesus temptation in the desert. But Luke's gospel is structured something like this. The baptism of Jesus concludes with the father's words. You are my beloved son with you. I am well pleased immediately following this Luke begins an extended genealogy of Jesus. Tracing his ancestry from his stepfather Joseph all the way back to Adam, whom Luke calls the Son of God. This is very significant for a few reasons. First, the father has just spoken audibly that Jesus is his beloved son. Secondly, Luke has just demonstrated that Jesus is the Son of God and the new and greater Adam by virtue of his heritage and by virtue of the Father's declaration. Third, it is in this juxtaposed context in the middle of the desert that Jesus faces temptation from the devil in his office as the second Adam. So you see, there's a lot at stake here. There's a lot riding on this wilderness wandering of Jesus. Now I know your Bible reading says wilderness here, but Eremu should be translated desert. Why, you ask? Because I said so. (laughs) Who's going to stop me? Pastor Carl could stop me, but it's a lot easier for us to picture the desert. I'm not talking about our beautiful desert around here, the beautiful desert that you see in postcards, but in the desolate ways that you see the desert, a deserted place, not hospitable, uninhabitable, suitable for sustaining no life other than plants and animals that fully intend to kill you. It's like the line from the film A Million Ways to Die in the West. In Arizona, everything that's not you is trying to kill you. Jesus is out in the middle of the desert with absolutely nothing, after 40 days of having absolutely nothing, being tempted by the devil. The people of Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years and faced a whole bunch of different temptations and they failed miserably. Moses has gone for a little while up the mountain and they whip up a golden calf and worship it right after God had just led them through the Red Sea on dry ground. Drowned the mightiest army and king on the planet. Epic fail. They grumble against the Lord and against Moses at every twist and turn. They refuse to hear and obey the word of the Lord, and they pay for it dearly. Ultimately, this generation of faithless grumblers is prevented from entering the promised land, hence the 40 years. It's a trip that, even in poor conditions, shouldn't take more than a few weeks. So why is Jesus in this desert facing temptation? because Israel faced temptation in the desert and failed miserably. Back up a ways. And you see Adam facing temptation too. Although he didn't face temptation in the desert, there was no desert in those days. There was only lush garden. Adam wasn't starving. There was every kind of food imaginable in the garden that would sustain Adam and Eve and all of their needs. There in the garden stood the tree of life, and they weren't even forbidden from eating that one. Only were they forbidden from eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They lacked nothing. And yet the devil tempts them into wanting more and going for it. Jesus is the Son of God the second and greater adam sent to undo the curse that adam's sin has wrought upon all of creation so again why is jesus in this desert because adam's sin had turned creation into a wasteland why is jesus facing temptation because adam gave in to temptation why is jesus fasting because, Jesus, because Adam ate the fruit of the tree. So this is the big temptation of the devil. Who do you think you are? You see, temptation isn't always just leading toward something. It's also leading away from something. It's not just that Satan tempts us toward whatever bait he's using. In the process, he's leading us away from something else leading us away from Jesus, leading us away from our own identity in Christ. The devil asks the question, who do you think you are? Hoping to get us to answer anything else than a baptized child of God. This is the temptation that Jesus faces on our behalf in the wilderness. Even though Adam lacked nothing, he wanted to be more than he was. It wasn't enough to have everything as a gift from God. Satan tempts Adam to being like God. Into being godlike, and that's the biggest lie imaginable. Never again would mankind be less godly than after giving into the serpent's lie. When Jesus was facing the devil's temptation, his identity was being questioned. When the devil calls Jesus' identity into question, it's just business as usual. Here we hear echoes of the temptation of the first Adam. Did God really say, Did God really say that you're his beloved son? Is that really who you are? Notice how Jesus responds. He doesn't say, well, listen here, buddy. Sonny boy, I am the son of God. I was there when you were cast down from heaven, and I'm the one foretold that would crush your head. He doesn't say anything about himself at all. He affirms his identity through faithful obedience to what God had said, the word of God. It is written, it is said. This is what the first Adam was unable to do. Unlike the first Adam, Jesus knew who he was and what that meant for daily living. And although he is true God, Jesus is also true man and as true man as the ultimate Israelite. As the promised son of Adam, Abraham, Jacob, David, Jesus too affirms his identity according to God's word and nothing else. Adam had been tempted away from his true identity more than anything else. Adam was truly the son of God. Who was Adam's father? God. And yet this identity was forsaken in favor of what the serpent was offering. The serpent tries this trick with Jesus saying, You're not really who the Father says you are. You could be more than that. You're all probably familiar with the term identity theft. Hopefully, none of you have been a victim of it. But if you have, then you'll know the trauma and the pain this can inflict. There are so many dangers present when one's identity is stolen. We work hard to protect our social security numbers, bank account numbers, driver's license numbers, which reminds me, some of you need to stop doing so many quizzes on Facebook. Stop commenting on posts that seem like a call for fond memories or reminiscing. Why do you think a page you've never heard of is asking what the make and model of your first car were? It's not a stroll down memory lane. That's a common security question for online banking. The devil engages as a form of identity theft, too. Although it's far more dangerous and troublesome than just financial ruin. Just as he tempted Adam and Jesus away from their identity as sons of God. Well, he didn't tempt Jesus away. He tempted him in that direction, but it didn't work. He also tempts us to redefine ourselves as all sorts of different things, too. You have been made sons and daughters of the Most High God in Holy Baptism, and that is your true identity. Paul would later remark in Romans that what you are in Christ has not yet been revealed to the rest of the world, but that is really who you are, sons and daughters of God. By faith, you too have been grafted into Jesus' genealogy so that you too are sons and daughters of God. Like Jesus, you continually face the threat and the snare of the evil foe as he tries to create doubts about who you are and how you are to live. Did God really say? Have another drink, what's the harm? Send that text, it's just innocent flirting. Fudge those numbers a little bit, who's going to know? All of these temptations are not only deadly encouragement towards something wrong, but they're encouragement away from your true identity in Christ. We are tempted to redefine our lives on our terms. Decide who it is that we want to be. Temptations are not just toward the bad, they are away from the good. Away from the good news that includes whom God has created you to be in Christ. This is your true identity, and Satan wants nothing more than to steal it from you. When my sisters and I were growing up, my mom used to tell us all the time, who you are makes a difference. I thought I understood it at the time, but it's proven to be more true as time goes on. And it's not true because I'm so wonderful. I'm really not. If you knew me well enough, you'd know better. But my mom was teaching us about the doctrine of vocation, even if she wasn't using that language. Who you are makes a difference because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, to quote Psalm 139. Who you are makes a difference because you have been named and claimed by God in the waters of holy baptism. Who you are makes a difference because you have been incorporated into the body of Jesus Christ and you bear his name and his message everywhere you go. Who you are makes a difference because you are his child in a world that constantly seeks to tell you otherwise and a world that desperately needs to know him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you please rise as we confess our faith in the words of the Nicene.